0: All righty, if you have your Bibles tonight, I'll have you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. It's always interesting when I go to preach, uh, you know, I teach a lot of these young guys and some of the comments I get, you know, uh, oh, you're preaching tonight, Baldy, it's going to be short. Uh, Stuff like that. Um, I actually had an adult come up to me and say, well, we'll be out by 6.30. So, you know, uh, but I I say I, I like to do it in honor of pastor. I like to keep things short. Uh, what? What? I'm going to get in trouble for that when he gets back, that's okay. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, go ahead and put a bookmark there, and also I'm going to have you uh, put a marker there in John chapter 9. Uh, we're going to be in those two passages tonight. There is going to be a, quite a bit of reading, but we're going to just stay in those two, uh, two books in those two chapters there. And while you're getting those marked there, uh, there was a Sunday morning. In the middle of a sermon in the congregation, a man got up and he just walked out of the church. And after the service, the wife went running up to the pastor and she said, you know, pastor, I'm so sorry. I want to apologize for my husband's behavior, how he just got up like that. And the pastor thanked her for her apology. And he said, you know, I noticed it was kind of strange. He just got up and walked out right in the middle of the service like that. And He said, you know, I I didn't take nothing. I didn't take no offense to it or nothing. He said, I was hoping I didn't say nothing to offend him, but maybe it was a family emergency or something. And she said, oh, no, Pastor, he's had trouble sleepwalking for a long time. (laughs) So, you know, just a a little bit of humor there to get started. Um, But here in in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, Pastor's been going through Ephesians and touching base here on Ephesians. And I can promise you there is no possible way that I can break apart uh, a verse the way that Pastor can um, you know, I like I like to poke and everything else, but I'm very thankful for our pastor. I'm thankful for a man that is uh scholar in the Word of God, studies the Word of God, and brings us the truth. Um, and I'm very thankful for what we learned from him. But tonight, um, we're going to be looking at just three verses. I want you to jump down to verse 17. Uh, we're going to read three verses here, and then I'm going to go to the book of John, and then we're going to come back to uh, Ephesians here, okay? Uh, so starting there in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin tonight. Dearly most gracious, Father God, I do thank you for the privilege it is to Be able to be in your house tonight, Lord, and be able to worship, Lord. I thank you for the fellowship with one another, Lord. But as we open your word, Lord, once again, I just pray, Lord, you just keep me out of the way, Lord, and allow your message to go forth, Lord. I pray for your congregation tonight, Lord. I pray that hearts and minds would be open and attentive to what you'd have for them tonight, Lord. Uh, Most of all, Lord, we do thank you and we love you for our salvation through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, So tonight I I have a, a message that I have titled, Seeing Like Christ. Um, And we're going to be talking a lot about eyes and sight tonight. Um, And As we look at this this verse here, uh, the one thing I'm going to come back to a couple times is the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Um, Most of us, we have the privilege that we have these physical things in our head called eyes. Um, And we can see through them. Not everybody can see through them. There are blind folks and everything else. Uh, There are folks that have to have help with their vision and everything else, with glasses and everything else. And tonight, whenever I'm talking about Seeing. I want us to understand I'm not talking about our physical eyes. Um, And we're going to learn through scripture here that often, as Christians, we look too much through our physical eyes and not looking through our spiritual eyes. Um, So if you've got your place there in Ephesians, I want you to go ahead and jump over to John chapter 9. And we're going to start with a story of a blind man. It's a well known story in the Bible. And actually, what we're going to do here is we're going to read all of chapter 9. So it's quite a bit of reading. Um, It's a well-known story, but um, we're going to get a lot of teaching here from it. Okay? So John chapter 9, starting in verse 1, it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and he made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed. And came seeing. The neighbors therefore, and they which had seen him that that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him, but he said, I am he. Therefore, said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, and anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that was aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon my eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? There was division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him? That he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son? Who Who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. The Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and they said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. They said <clears throat> Then said they to him, What did he do thee? What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore you would hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? And they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that ye you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that... Any man opened the eyes of the, the one that, of one that was born blind. Is this man were not if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And then they cast him out. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said unto him. Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that he talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. <clears throat> it's funny as we look about uh, on, on these Pharisees, and this is, this is a, sh- a story that really happened about a, a physical blindness. But I love how Jesus always used the things around him to convey his message. Uh, and when you look at all the, the parables that Jesus taught and everything else, he allowed it to pertain to the people that was around him. Uh, I'm going to draw your attention to the, the last couple of verses there in verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come to this world, That they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. To look at this verse, we first look at, For judgment I am come to this world. That's not Christ actually judging somebody there, okay? We have to understand, He's not saying, I'm going to condemn the whole world. Because we know from John 3.16, as I quoted tonight, He didn't come to the world to condemn the world. He didn't want to cast that kind of judgment, but He came to save. And that second part there, that they which see not, might see. That's spiritual darkness. Okay, That's those who are unsaved. And they which see might be made blind. Um, And I believe he's already hitting the nail on the head with the Pharisees here. And he's kind of calling them out already. He's saying, look, you think you're something that you're not. You think you're something special. You think you're holy, but you're not. You're blind. And some of the Pharisees that were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? They knew right away. They said, wait a minute, this man Jesus is calling me out. And he's trying to say that we're blind. And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. I love how Jesus was not afraid to call things as they were. These these holy religious leaders were not so holy or so religious. They thought very highly of themselves. One thing that we must look at tonight, and the first point is whose eyes are we looking through? The moment that we accepted Christ into our life, we are something different. We are changed. We're a new creature. We're, we're a new creation. We should be looking at things differently. Um, uh, Pastor's not here, so I can talk about fishing. I know he doesn't like fishing, but I can talk about fishing because I like fishing. Okay? Uh, one of the things about when you go fishing, one of the types of glasses you can buy is these polarized glasses. It kind of helps you see in the water a little bit and everything else. Helps you see things a little more clearly. You know, as we become Christians... That's one of the things that we're supposed to be able to do. We're supposed to be able to start looking at the things around us. And as we grow as a Christian, we're supposed to be able to start seeing things through the eyes of Christ a little bit better. Seeing the world for what it is and seeing things the way that Christ sees them. As we grow as a Christian, we should start to see everything through the eyes of Christ. Everything that we do, uh, the friends that we associate with, uh, the people that we talk to on a regular basis, the jokes that they tell, everything that they're doing, we should start seeing a difference about our life. Um, There's a song that came out a couple of years back. It was a contemporary song, but I really liked the lyrics of it. And it was, give me your eyes. And the way the lyrics go is, it was, give me your eyes for one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I'm missing, your love for humanity. Your arms for the broken-hearted, the ones far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, as Jesus came into the world, as he said here, he didn't come to the world to condemn, but he came to save. And once we're saved, we need to be able to start looking at the world through his eyes. In other words, he wants us to look through his eyes so that he can lead us in what we should be doing and the things of Christ. And knowing Jesus and believing him, uh, making sure that we're seeing through his eyes so it gives us a better understanding uh, for our Christian walk, for everything that we're doing. Um, And there are many that claim to be able to see, but there are many that are walking around blind. There are many Christians, quotations around that word Christians, that are still walking around blind. Just because you're saved does not mean that you're looking through the eyes of Christ. You can get saved and then never do nothing else for Christ. You can get saved and then never see that man on the corner that's holding up a sign that says we'll work for food or anything else. And that's all you will see of him is, oh, look at this bum. But if we're looking through the eyes of Christ, we can look at that man and say, I wonder if he needs something more than money wonder if he needs Jesus Christ in his life. And as we begin to look through the eyes of Christ, we'll see more and more things like that, more situations that God will lead us to. Jesus does lead the blind who are with him. And it's through his eyes that they can fulfill the purpose that he's given them in their life. Uh, Jesus wants us to live for him. Jesus wants us to look through his eyes so that we can fulfill the glory that he's given us. So bringing us to, to point two here is what what about our eyes? Whose eyes are we looking through? And then what about our spiritual focus? Are our eyes wide open? Are our eyes open to what Christ has for us? Go ahead and turn back to Ephesians chapter 1 there. And we're going to just stay here uh, for us and I do have some other verses that we'll read from, but we won't have you turn to them. And Ephesians there, we're going to just read those three verses again. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, the revelation and knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the true hope of His calling, and what the riches of glory and in His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Tonight I'd ask that as we're looking at, at these scriptures, are our eyes open? Are we living life With eyes open for Christ. Tonight, as we look at these, we have the ability, if we're saved, to have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We can look at things differently because of that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, what does this really mean? Uh, If I was to say two things book smart and street smart, I think most of us know that there's a difference, okay? Um, There's folks that are very book smart, and there's folks that are very street smart. I'm going to say that I'm not very book smart, okay? Uh, I'm not. But uh, one of the things that uh, I, I really took to, as a life lesson, uh, we went to Africa, I don't know, what was it, about nine years ago or something like that, and we went to one of these markets, and as we were there with Pastor and everything else, uh, we wanted to buy some souvenirs for folks to bring back home and everything else. Well, you know, we're excited. We're in, a, in a, uh, another country and everything else. Everything's dirt cheap, honestly. Um, but one of the things they like to do is they like to negotiate. And first of all, they've seen this big old hefty white boy, and to them that means money. Okay? Uh, it's true. I mean, they've seen somebody with some weight to him in white, so they look at that as money. Okay? So they see this guy walking up to him and everything else. They quote me a price. And uh, I forget what it was. I think it was a chessboard or something like that. And we're going to buy it and everything else. So they quote me a price, and I'm sitting there like, that's only like 10, 15 bucks. Yeah, no problem. This is cool. You know, and the pastor goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not their best price. And I'm like, it's only like 10 or 15 bucks. He said, that's not their best price. <clears throat> I realized at that moment that I didn't have street smarts when it came to Africa. Okay? But there is a difference between street smarts and book smarts. Okay? Uh, with book smart, you take things at face value. Uh, you can open a textbook. You can learn things from that text. And you take it at face value. Um, I, it's funny because my kids, they're going through some of the, their homework and stuff, their math. And I'm going to tell you right now. Even with all the textbooks under the sun, I'm not going to learn the math way they do it. I'm just not going to, okay? Um, I'm not book smart, okay? But whenever we're, t- we're talking about book smart and street smart, and I-, I want to look at this thing of keeping our eyes wide open, okay? Um, because if our eyes are wide open, then one thing that we'll understand is that being book smart is only half the equation. You can have all the book smarts, but if you don't know how to apply it, it does do, do, do no good. Thing comes to when it comes to the Word of God. You can sit there, and there are scholars who study the Word of God, and they can know the Word of God front to back, back to front, side to side, however you want to say it. They know it, but they don't know how to apply it. They don't know how to use it. They're living their life with their spiritual eyes closed. They're trying to base everything off of their knowledge. When God tells us here, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, He's basically saying that book smarts, that's part of the equation. This is Paul writing here in Ephesians, and right after praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be given to the believers, he adds that the hope there is that our our eyes would be enlightened. Um, So what does he mean by this? Well, how do we get our information about God? Yes, it's, it's through the Bible, okay? If we were to open the Bible, we can learn about the nature of God. We can learn about the character of God, the different characteristics, the attributes of God. We learn about his nature. Um, But by reading God's word, we can learn a lot about God, but we don't get to experience God. There's a difference. Once again, it's only half the equation. Um, So for tonight, just just for a second, I know this, this is unorthodox here, but pretend like none of us were married, okay? And you were looking for a spouse, okay? And somebody was to give you a book, and it listed... Five different spouses, and it listed everything about that spouse. And you go through and you read it, and you're like, wow, this is great. This is everything I want. But you never saw him, you never met him, you never talked to him. How easy would we fall in love with that person from reading about it? It would be kind of tough. Without ever talking to him, without ever seeing him, without ever having any type of communication with them. it would be hard to fall in love with that person, right? Wow, the church is asleep tonight. It's okay if I see somebody sleepwalking, I'll know that that joke was about you. Okay, <clears throat> but it'd be hard to fall in love with that person without ever having any contact with them. But the fact of the matter is, is a lot of times as Christians, that was what we try to do with God. We want to say, yes, I'm falling more in love with God every day, and we're just reading the Bible. We're not experiencing God. We're just reading the Bible. We're not having a relationship with God. We're not talking with God. We're not doing any of the other things with God. We, we get up in the morning and we have our, our reading schedule and we read the Word of God. And then we set it back down. And that's as far as our relationship goes with God. We cannot possibly expect to fall in love with God that way. See, at some point in our Christian walk, it has to move past a head knowledge of God. It has to walk to a spiritual knowledge of God. We can describe color technically. But you can't see the, the, the you can't describe the color orange and actually know what it is without actually seeing it. You can uh, describe taste. Uh, my kids know I hate sour things, and they think it's the funniest thing in the world to hand me a sour candy and tell me it's not sour. Um, and I put it in my mouth, and I can't tell you the the, 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 the my face will describe it all because I hate that taste. Um, but we can't truly experience that unless we experience it. Okay, we can't we can we can describe it the best of our ability, but we don't really experience it. That's how it is with God. Unless we truly experience in God ourselves, we never truly know Him. And I think the psalmist in Psalm uh, 34 knew that. And that's why he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. It has to move past just this book knowledge of God. And what Paul is saying here is that we really need to experience the Lord's presence in our life. If you were hungry, and trust me, if I was hungry and you put a picture of a steak in front of me, it would not satisfy me. Okay? Okay? Uh, that picture of that steak is not going to make me happy. It's going to make me angry if I'm hungry and you put it in front of me. Uh, better yet, if you, if you have a steak and you set it in front of me and you tell me I can't eat it, it's not going to satisfy me. The only way that's going to truly satisfy me is if I pick up that steak and I eat it. That's the way it works. If we want to satisfy our hunger, we have to eat. Same way it goes. We should be hungry and thirst after God, the Bible says. But if we're hungry and we thirst after God, that means actually picking it up, applying it, experiencing it in our life. That means we must have our eyes wide open to opportunities so that we can know him more. So looking at this, coming to our third point, what can we see? Looking here in our, our verses again, The eyes of your understanding, being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. That word hope. I love that word hope. The word hope is something that, uh, once again, our English language, we, we, we've kind of mixed up that word hope, and it's something that we're wishing for. Um, that's not what that really means, okay? Um, talking about hope, maybe you've been discouraged as a Christian. Maybe there's been a time that you've questioned even walking with God. Maybe there's been a time you've thought about just giving up on God. And I think that at some point or another, we we not all come to that point in our life. And that's because being a Christian in today's world is tough. It's not easy. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to sugarcoat it and tell you it's easy to be a Christian, that everything's all hunky-dory and everything's great whenever you become a Christian. It's, it's not. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. We know that in the book of Romans chapter 5, uh, it's a great teaching. It says by uh, verse 2 through 5, it says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but... We glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. We all want hope in our lives. We all live for that hope in our life. Hope is a wonderful thing. Paul put, Paul puts it in the top three things there. Uh, you know, with, along with faith and charity. The problem that we have as Christians is we start to go through a trial. And once again, we're not really looking at things through our spiritual eyes. We just kind of have our eyes closed. Uh, we're looking at things with our fleshly eyes. Those physical eyes will deceive us every time. And we look at a tribulation that we're going through, a hard time that God's allowing us to go through, and we say, I have no hope. There's no hope through this. Why is the Lord allowing me to do this? We begin to question. And the moment we begin to question, Satan likes to creep in and gets that foothold, and then our, 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 we become discouraged in our walk. But the fact of the matter is, if if we look through those spiritual eyes, we can see something better. We can see that blessed hope, which is Jesus Christ. We can see that in our current situation, whatever it might be, that God has allowed us to be there. Um, Like I stated earlier, opening the eyes, uh, there is the equivalent of experiencing God in a personal relationship. And when we see him in this way, we know that we have a loving God on our side who is looking for the good that He can work in us. Uh, Remember that Scripture says uh, going through tough times is sometimes how we get hope. We have trust and love built up that God allows us to accept His plan no matter what. You know, uh, one of the hardest things as a Christian is when we're going through tribulation to take a step back. Because, once again, we're physical beings. And we we see something tough that's happening in our life. And we, we don't look at things with a spiritual outlook. We look at them with a fleshly outlook. Well, I'm having financial problems. I'm having physical problems. Uh, And we say, why? Why, Lord? Why me? What we need to ask is, why, Lord? Why are you letting this happen to me? What kind of glory am I going to get to bring you through this? That's hard. Okay? Nobody does that with ease. Okay? Uh, Paul, who's writing this, trust me, I mean, once again, this man, he went through kind of tribulations and struggles that we'll never understand. But I think... Understanding that Paul was able to look at things with a spiritual outlook, he's able to th- see things with a, those spiritual eyes, and he understood that God loved him, and God was there for him. If we look on there, it also says uh, to our glorious inheritance. Have you ever tried telling someone how wonderful a place is? You ever tried describing how wonderful a place is? It's almost impossible. Okay. Uh, once again, talking about Africa and everything else, I'm going to be honest. I was very reluctant to go. Uh, I did not want to go to Africa. I like it here in America. I like uh, having McDonald's right down the road. I like having Walmart right down the road. I like working plumbing. I like not worrying about mosquitoes and everything else. Okay? Um, and once again, all I knew about Africa was, yes, beautiful, beautiful country and all kinds of crazy animals that could eat me. Okay? Um, but it wasn't until I went to Africa and I truly experienced Africa, and I seen the beauty of it, that I fully understood. I, I couldn't describe it to you with words. You know, the same is going to be true of heaven someday. Uh, we can read in God's Word, and we see how glorious heaven's going to be. Um, I, I think about that, and I, I, I had this, this grandma, okay? And my grandma, she was almost blind as a bat. Um, but I can remember sitting on her lap, and she'd have the radio playing on some old hymns all the time, and that song would come on, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. And she sang out of tune. Oh, she sang so far out of tune. It was, it was beautiful, though, because it was my grandma. Okay, And I remember just sitting on her lap and her slapping her leg and rocking me and singing how beautiful heaven must be. But when she sang it, you knew that she was dreaming about someday going to heaven. You knew she was trying to picture it in her mind, in her heart. She was thinking about that some glorious day when she was going to be in heaven. My grandma's there now. I'm very thankful that I know that my grandma's there now. I'm thankful that... I can look in scriptures and I can see how beautiful heaven's going to be, but I'm not able to experience it yet. However, we live in a way that we're meant to have uh, the relationship with Christ. We begin to get a glimpse of what heaven will be like. When we start walking with the Lord, it's amazing the revelations that God will give us. Uh, You know, uh, I can tell you that when I was a young boy, uh, I was scared of a lot of things. Uh, I wouldn't even go talk to a person up at the cash register. Uh, I was just I was very timid and everything else. Um, still to this day I'm scared of tornadoes and spiders. But <laughs> you know, um I was scared of everything, but the older I get and the more I walk with God, the less I fear things. I, I look at the world around me and I, I figure, honestly, what's the worst that's gonna happen? I'm gonna die? Eh, I'll see you guys in heaven if you're gonna get there. Okay. Um you, you think about these streets of gold and everything else and um I, if they're in my junior class, they know one of my biggest challenges to these young men and women is uh, I think a gold is like a slick service, you know, like shiny metal and everything else. And I love slip and slides. And I'm getting to the point where I can't do slip and slides no more. I found that out last time we was at pastors and I tried it. Woke up the next day, I could barely move. Okay. <clears throat> but when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a glorious body that I'm not going to have to worry about. And I'm going to think of these streets of gold. And I'm going to have this great big slip and slide and everything else. And I've challenged these kids, you know, you've got to get to heaven someday. The only way to get there is through Jesus Christ. But when you get there, well, we're gonna have a race on them streets, and I'm gonna slip and slide right past you. Okay. Um, but we think about these things. We we get these pictures of heaven in our mind, and then as we begin to look with these spiritual eyes, we begin to see things. We begin to see things that are in this life that just they're not important. You know, what kind of car I drive doesn't really matter. Uh, what what kind of phone I have in my pocket. Doesn't really matter, uh, the amount of wealth I have in my bank account. I got four kids. It's not much. Okay, <clears throat> those things just don't matter. But I look with these spiritual eyes, and I begin to see. Well, that person there. I remember when he wasn't even coming to church, but now he's saved and he's in church every single week. You know, these things are the things that matter. We begin to be able to see these things with our spiritual eyes, and we get to get a little more glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. You know, it's it's funny when the church acts like the church, I've heard it quoted that it's just a little slice of heaven. And that's true. Whenever the church begins to act like the church, it's so much better. But in order for the church to act like the church, the entire church needs to be looking with something more than physical eyes. We need to be looking at the higher calling, the prize that's at the end of the race. And we can experience joy like we've never experienced by doing his work. You know, um, I've heard the, the saying that many hands make light work. And the, the fact of the matter is that's true. But the only way you get many hands is if you get many spiritual eyes looking at the goal that's set before them. You know, uh, I, a couple of weeks ago, a pastor was talking about going out door knocking and soul winning. And, you know, the only way we get the whole church involved with that is if the whole church begins to look with their spiritual eyes. And we begin to look at our neighbors and say, you know what? They're not saved. They don't know the Lord. They're on their way to hell. How, how can I witness to them? Okay, maybe you've went and knocked on your on your neighbor's door, and they don't want nothing to do with it. That's fine. How are you and your family living in front of your neighbors? If you're out there yelling and screaming and everything else, kicking the door in and everything else, they're gonna be like, "I don't want no part of that." Then people are Christians. That's crazy. Okay, but it's even how we live our life. Okay, um, we start looking at things with the spiritual eyes. We'll understand that our own lifestyle it's supposed to reflect Jesus Christ and all that we do. <clears throat> and then looking here at His great power. The fact of the matter is, do we have a lack of power in God in our life? Uh, sometimes we're so weak in our faith and we're so timid. Uh, God promised us that we can do great things through the Holy Spirit. Timothy tells us that God uh, did not give us that spirit of being timid. But sometimes we are. Why? Because we look at things through our regular eyes. Mm-hmm. We start looking at things and say, I can't do that. I'm going to tell you right now, if I, if I looked at things through, through my regular eyes, there ain't no way I'm standing up here behind this pulpit. Okay? You can ask my, my wife. I sit down in my office at least an hour before I preach every time, and I preach to myself until I get convicted enough to preach. Okay? And th- that's the fact of the matter is, is we don't do things in our own power. We'll fail every time. We do them in God's power. But to do things in God's power, we have to be looking with that spiritual outlook on things. Once again, there's too many folks that are acting like Christians and trying to do things in their own power, and it's all about them and their show. The fact of the matter is it, it's not about us. None of it's about us. The moment we were born, it was not about us. It was about how are we going to glorify God? We were born with one purpose, glorifying God. We have to look at life that way. You know, we put a lot of stock in our eyes that we we take for granted. You know, if something happens out of the ordinary, one of the favorite phrases that people say is, I'll believe it when I see it, right? I'll believe it when I see it. You know, for too long, we've gone as Christians without seeing anything. Because we're not doing anything. We're not looking with the right eyes. We're looking with our physical eyes. And we're saying, God's not doing anything. Well, maybe God's not doing nothing because you're not doing anything. <clears throat> we need to have our spiritual eyes opened. We need to have an intimate time with God. Um, God can reveal himself more to us. And we can be more in tune to his plan. And we begin to see uh, that as God, God, once again, opens our understanding, uh, allowing our our eyes to be enlightened. There's things that our physical eyes that cannot possibly see in God's plan and God's will. We need to have those spiritual eyes. So if we want to see his great power, we need to spend time with him so he can reveal himself to us. And if we want to see things with more than our physical eyes, we must fall into God's power. Maybe you're not satisfied with the way things are going in your life. And if you want more, Maybe you need to hit your knees and say, Lord, I'm not looking at things through the right eyes. I'm looking at things with my own physical eyes. I'm looking at things in my own power. I'm not trusting in your power, God. I'm not, I'm not doing the things that I should be doing as a Christian because I just feel like I can't. The fact of the matter is a lot of times we can't. Uh, the old saying is God will never give you anything you can't handle. That's, that's a falsehood. God will give you exactly what you can't handle so that you fall into his power. I want you to think about something. Think about the man who's writing this. This man, Paul. He wasn't always Paul. At one point in his life, he was Saul. And on his conversion, right before he gets converted, he's out there, he's killing Christians. He's persecuting Christians. He's on the road to Damascus. And guess what is taken from him? His sight. His physical sight. You know, one of the things I think is awesome about prayer. And I know we can pray at any time and we can pray uh, in a vehicle and everything else. But when we really get down to it and we hit our knees and we close our eyes, it shuts off those physical eyes. It cuts off that distraction because we need to see things with the spiritual eye. We need to be talking to God with our spiritual eyes, with our eyes closed sometimes. Doesn't mean you always have to pray that way, but you should be setting aside time to pray that way. You know, after his encounter with the Lord, Paul's physical sight was restored, and he was given new spiritual sight. And we see the great things that Paul did for Christ because of his new spiritual sight. But this didn't just come from reading the Word of God. It came from having a relationship with God. We can take in all kinds of sights with our physical eyes, and we neglect the use of our spiritual eyes. And because of it, we're missing a bigger picture that God wants us to see. I think it's funny if, if you're uh, looking at the news or anything else or media or anything else, one of the big things that they, they talk about is this woke movement. This woke movement because we're not, we're not enlightened to the things that we should be enlightened to. We're just not informed. It's funny how Satan will take something and just completely turn it upside down and opposite because the people that are woke have a veil over their eyes and they can't see past their nose. They want to look at things that are sinful in the world, and they say that they're good. God has already said in the Scripture the things that are wrong, and we could go on and on about that tonight. But we're not going to. The fact of the matter is is Satan likes to take things and things that we should be using for the good, like being awake with our eyes wide open, and take it and use it for a term for something completely wrong. Um, you young people, uh, this is a challenge to you. Uh, A little bit unorthodox, but a challenge to you. Get in the Word every day. But don't just get in the Word. Have a relationship with God. Talk to God. Because the world around you wants to put a veil over your eyes so that you can't see the truth. And as adults, it is our obligation. It is our honest obligation. Be teaching the truth. We can't teach the truth if our eyes aren't open to it. Tonight I'm going to have Pastor Joel come up and Uh, give the invitation, but as he's coming, I wonder if we need to step out in faith and maybe have our eyes opened a little better, get to know Christ more intimately. Close your eyes, if you would, with me. What a great question. Are our spiritual eyes, are our eyes open? Are we looking at the world around us through the eyes of Christ, or are we just looking at the world through our physical eyes that are shallow and preoccupied with earthly things? Are we looking beyond today and thinking about eternity and the importance of the soul and the importance of glorifying the Lord in a way that goes beyond just whatever we feel like we need or whatever we're dealing with in the moment. What a great thought. I'd like to invite you to stand to your feet as the piano plays. There's a place to come kneel and pray.